Welcome to this week's NL Full Time. I'm Luke Edwards and uh, joining us this week, we have Dickie Wharton as always. Hello, Dickie. Good morning, Nick. And there's lots to talk about. Joe and Rob are away this week. Joe will be popping up later, though, because he was at the Yeovil game on Saturday. So he'll be giving us his thoughts on that. But joining us, we have Chelsea City's media officer. It is Ben Parks. Hello, Ben. Good morning. And uh, nice to be on again. Yeah, good to have you, Ben. And um, we'll get on to your results later on. We're going to start, though, with the FA Cup games that were played on Saturday. And uh, the early game... In amongst the World Cup games, Dickie was at Kingsland against Stevenage and uh, ultimately the um, the class of the League Two side told in the end. Yeah, it did. Um, I've had a chance to have a, a watch of some of this. This morning, actually, I was I was at the, the Curzon-Ash and Telford game yesterday, as our regular listeners might expect. Um, it, it looked like, you know, a fair result. I think uh, it looked as if Kingsland were hampered by the loss of uh, Theo Widrington in the first half. He'd um, come back after injury, but then looked like it had possibly reoccurred and he had to leave the field in the first off, which is a blow to them. Um, and yeah, even at half time, but then three quick goals from Stevenage in the early part of the second half just completely took the game away from them. You know, I think you're all, you're too far behind when it's 3-0, particularly that happening so quickly, it sort of like looked like it knocked the stuffing out of out of Kings Lynn. Um and it's a shame, you know, they had a big crowd in at, at the walks yesterday and I'm sure they enjoyed the occasion, um, but I'm sure they would have enjoyed it even more if they could have actually made it through or even just been in the hat for the third round draw or even, you know, just knowing that you've got the potential for, you know, being drawn against a, a big side with a replay coming up just keeps that excitement going. Um, but still plenty to look forward to for Kingsland this season. Obviously, they're going so well in National League North. Yeah, uh, the big, obviously, shock that involved the National League because was Chesterfield going to AFC Wimbledon. And um, I think a lot of people, maybe not too surprised, I was looking on Twitter going that, that the um, Chesterfield almost looked like the, the league side and AFC Wimbledon looked like the non-league side. It was Armando Dobra on 44 minutes opening the scoring. And then Jeff King scoring yet again on 76. And Dickie, it is a shock, but maybe not a shock. <laughs> Um, yeah, perhaps so. I mean, Chesterfield are going very well. I mean, how many times on this podcast do we talk about them flying under the radar a little bit because of that Notts County Wrexham, you know, ding dong at the top of the table, but they're just sitting in there nicely. Um, I think a sign of Chesterfield's ambition this week as well. The fact that they added the signing of Ash Palmer on, on Thursday to strengthen that squad. You know, he was a, a key component of that Stockport County side that won promotion last season and England Sea International. Obviously, isn't getting regular games and the, and the chance to go to Chesterfield means he will play regularly. But, you know, um, it, 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 that could be a really, really important signing for them. Um, obviously, he wouldn't have been eligible for, for yesterday. Um, but... Yeah, an excellent result for uh, Paul Cook's team yesterday. Yeah, Ben, that was that, that really stood out, wasn't it? That that second goal as well. I just had a look at the goals this morning. That second goal from King is uh, a cross that goes all the way in. So you just need that bit of luck uh, to to win these games like that against league side. He's on the right wing, crossing it in. It, it goes all the way over the keeper in at the back post. So I don't think he meant it, but... Uh, <laughs> He's in good form at the moment, Jeff King, and he scored. Uh, he claimed the goal, 
you probably claim you meant it. <laughs> and uh, they won 2-0 when they saw it out. Yeah, Dickie, I suppose, um, well, it's, it's weird for a, to say for a fullback he's in rich uh, goal-scoring form, but he is really in, in terms of a fullback. And I suppose when they're going in, everything he kind of, even crossing goes in. <laughs> yeah, a little bit, you know, and, and the fact that he has been successful and has found the net so many times this season, we'll just encourage him to keep trying that, you know, so it becomes one of these things. It's like a snowball rolling downhill. I'm absolutely sure that his performances are catching the eye of, of other teams as well. You know, uh, Chesterfield fans won't thank me for saying that, but, you know, a somebody who can get forward and, and add goals from that, that fullback position at the rate which he's doing it, he's going to catch the eye. Um, so that's perhaps a little bit of a challenge for them with January approaching to see if, you know, if anybody's going to um, try and tempt him away. But um, I would think, you know, with how Chesterfield are going at the moment, that um, uh, it's, a, it's a good place to be. I wouldn't imagine players would be wanting to get away from Chesterfield unless they received very, very good offers for them. Yeah, you'd have to imagine it's at least League One and upwards from to leave, wouldn't you? So, and um, Barnet they lost one nil at Accrington. I know that'd be a game you had a keen eye on, Bennett. It was Barnet who eventually saw off Chelmsford in a first round replay, and they ran Accrington close. It took until eighty four minutes for Accrington to break the deadlock through Ethan Hamilton, and um, Barnet will be disappointed. And like you say, I suppose you would have had a few regrets. It wasn't you as well. Yeah, I mean that replay was a fantastic occasion at, at Chelmsford. We had a sellout proud for the first time in 10 years when we had Colchester in the FA Cup. Um, but even though they went down to 10 men, um, Barnet, they managed to hold, uh, get the winner through uh, Idris Kanu. But um, I haven't seen any of the game, but I had a look at the stats and they didn't have a shot on target Barnet. So they'd be disappointed that they probably didn't have more of a go. And they've got caught by a late goal when they're probably trying to maybe take it back to the high for a replay. Um, 84th minute I think Accrington scored in so not probably a little bit of regrets for Barnett and yeah, yeah, a good luck to Accrington in the third round obviously a famous old non-league side that have made their way into the Football League in recent years and, and they, they could get a prime draw in the third round but um, yeah Barnett go out there Yeah Dagenham looked like they were getting through the opening scoring 10 minutes from time Josh Walker put them 1-0 up against Gillingham, but then heartbreak for them, Scosh Katket equalising in the 92nd minute. And, and Dagenham have been a funny old side this year, but Ben, obviously, local rivals to you. Um, and they were so close to the, to the second, uh, sorry, they were so close to the third round. Yeah, well, I don't think we've played Dagenham in a long time. I think uh, the Essex Cup is probably the only time we can play them. Um, and they sort of... Uh, Sort of, uh, it's it's one of those areas that used to be Essex, but now it's London. So uh, whether they come under Essex anymore is sort of uh, up for debate. But yeah, I know a, a Dagenham fan, but he didn't go out in the world at, at the World Cup. So, but um, yeah, they've sort of they seem to do well Dagenham, and then they sort of lose a couple of games. But um, and they're always on the fringes of the playoffs in the National League, and they never seem to quite make put enough of a run together to get into the playoffs, but a disappointment for them. They conceded so late on against Gillingham, who can't really score goals. And to con- you thought 1-0 up, there might have been enough against Gillingham. I think they're the lowest scorers in the Football League. Yeah, it was uh, nearly, but not quite, wasn't it, Dickie, in the end? And 
funny old side dagging them, aren't they, this year? They're, um, they seem to have some really poor results and then pull out a really good performance and a result against someone you don't expect them to. They do. I was just thinking about, you know, what life must be like as a Dagenham and Redbridge fan in that I, I would think it's always exciting. There's always something going on. They always seem to be teetering on the brink of, you know, oh dear, is, is this the end for, for Darren McMahon, you know, and then they pull out some really positive and eye-catching results and, and then they're, they're off on that um, uh, path. So, yeah, it, 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 that they, I think they're probably an infuriating side to support in that you know that when they're good, they can be very good, but you also know that when they're poor, they can be really quite bad. Um, so, yeah, it is a shame for them not to at least, uh, not to get through yesterday, but, um, you know, they've got a second bite at the cherry. I would think with looking at the results that were yesterday, if there are any televised FA Cup games, uh, replays, that, that's got to be a contender. So that could be a bit of a financial boost for them if that gets chosen. Um, and yeah, at least they do have a second go at it. Yeah, and the other game involving National League sides on the Saturday in the second round. It was a hat-trick for Paul Mullen, which saw off Farnborough. They won by four goals to one. Uh, Wrexham saw off Farnborough by four goals to one. Uh, Elliot Lee added the other for Wrexham and Ollie Pendlebury with the Farnborough goal. And Farnborough, they've had a good go in the FA Cup this year, haven't they, Ben? Yeah, they've done really well. I mean, they're not <clears throat> pulling up many trees in the league, so it's sort of a nice distraction, the, the, the cup run. Uh, but Wrexham, um, Paul Mullin, obviously, I think the first was his 50th goal for Wrexham and he only joined them at the start of last season. So that's a ridiculous uh, level of goal scoring. And uh, But I would say really good free kick from Pendlebury. <clears throat> Got them back in the tie. They had a chance to go 2-1 up at the um, Howard, I think, in the Wrexham goal, made a good save. And then Elliot Lee's goal was probably one of the goals of the round. He sort of, gets it about 25 yards out and slams an unstoppable shot into the top corner. Um, and then Mullin, nice counter-attack, taps in to make it three, and then he volleys in for a hat-trick as well in the 90th minute just to rub a bit of salt in the wounds. But a difficult task for Farnborough. And uh, I think if Wrexham get a, a big draw in the next round, I think the TV company's going to be all over that, aren't they? So it's good, good luck to Wrexham. It's uh, they've they've fallen on their feet after many years of hardship at the national league level, and um, maybe this will be their year for promotion. Although Notts County are running them close. So as you know, we record this on a Sunday, and there's four FA Cup games that have taken place involving national league sides today. And the, it was an early kickoff, wasn't it? A very wet um, Cufflink Stadium. Evesleet took on Fleetwood, and what was um, a pretty close game, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. Um, look, a very well contested game. This one was um, live on TV, um, and absolutely acquitted themselves pretty well, I would say. But yeah, um, fell victim to um, a goal from Jed Garner. I think he scored goals on loan at, at Gateshead last season. So familiar with National League standard um, opposition, um, I think Ebbsfleet can um, can count themselves a little bit unlucky as well. They they went very close at the end to. Uh, uh, forcing an equaliser, which would have got them a replay. Um, but yeah, overall, I think they can um, feel proud of the way they've uh, they've acquitted themselves on television. Yeah, the the big shock, of course, uh, Boreham Wood. Uh, they're at it again into the third round for a second consecutive season, joining Chesterfield there. 
Yeah, both teams made the third round last year and both teams have, have done exactly the same again. And uh, yeah, I've just watched the highlights or the very brief highlights of this one. Um, it looks very much as if Boreham would would were dominant in, in spells in the first half of this game uh, at the Memorial Stadium. Um, Will Evans is claiming the first goal, although uh, he was credited to George Broadbent initially. It's his shot. I think Evans is saying that it came off his knee. He's definitely claiming it. His centre-half partner, David Stevens, then had it in the second. That was after Broadbent had hit the post on a swift counter-attack as well, so they could have been 2 0 before Stevens added the second. Um Bristol Rovers manager Joey Barton, obviously we know he's an understated character, not going, you know, he's not given to big gestures. He made five substitutions at half time. He actually replaced almost half of his team uh, in an attempt to get them going, but it didn't work. Um, they couldn't break through. I did think when Boreham Wood got into a 2 0 lead that, you know, if you were going to back any National League side to hold on to that advantage, it would be Boreham Wood because they are so disciplined defensively. And yeah, Bristol Rovers couldn't break them down and, and Boreham Wood progress to the third round for the second season in a row. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see who they get. Of course, the draw is on Monday evening. Uh, Chippenham, it's fair to say they went for a Burton, literally, didn't they? Yeah, they did. This is always rather unfortunate when having had, um, you know, a great result in the last round and an upsetting league opposition in the last round um, that, you know, they more than met their match, unfortunately, today against Burton Albion. Um, Went down um, 6-1. Harry Parsons got the Chippenham goal, um, got them back, well... He got a goal back when it was 3-0, so he pulled it back to, to 3-1. But yeah, Burton it, it extended away late in the game. Goals in the 78th, 84th and 90th minute um, to, to make it 6-1. And it's a shame. It, it, it ends it all on a bit of a sour note for Chippenham. But I think they should look back with pride, look at what they achieved in the last round, um, more so than than concentrating on or, or, or worrying too much about this one. And, and uh, yeah. It's back to league action for them now, rather than uh, looking at the draw and looking for a, a glamour tie. Yeah, Jamie, Jamie Vermiglio couldn't quite work his um, FA Cup magic this time, could he? As uh, the, as his books inside fell to a defeat at Ipswich. Yeah, they, they were handed probably the most difficult assignment they could have got Buxton in terms of, um, you know, away from home. We saw how Ipswich dealt with Bracknell Town in the last round in that. You know, they, it took them a little while to get into that game, but ultimately they 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 put uh, Bracknell away comfortably by three goals to nil. So this was always going to be a tough assignment for Buxton today. Um, they found themselves two nil down um, by half time. Goals from Chaplin and uh, Ahadme, I think his name is. Uh, Chaplin added a third in the second half, and then yeah, Caden Jackson with the fourth, just to rub a bit of salt into the wound in injury time, but. I, I believe this game was moved to a five o'clock kickoff to accommodate overseas um, TV coverage. How many people would have been watching? I'm not quite sure because obviously with the World Cup on, it's, uh, uh, you know, the, the the choice of a World Cup game or Ipswich versus Buxton. But I'm sure Buxton have enjoyed, you know, the, the, the occasion, if not the result. And they'll take away Sherry Gate receipts. And, um, you know, they've progressed to the second round or again for the second time in two years so they're building a, a little bit of a reputation as a as a giant killing team but yeah back to the league for Buxton now always good to see Chaplin entertaining as well on a Sunday yes I did think about that when I saw his name there as well I did think um, I hope he didn't do his funny walk with him with the cane or anything like that <laughs> but uh, you know goodness me he's probably he's probably 
you forget that you know he, he might not even any idea who Charlie Chaplin is, given his age. But maybe that's just us sharing our age. But um, yeah, it's it's been um, you know this is it's it's that round where you have that feeling of so near yet so far. You know to get to the second round, but fall before you get to the round where the Premier League and the Championship teams come in, mm. always does feel like you know, a bit of an anticlimax, a bit of a disappointment. Um, so, you know, we, we have to extend our congratulations to those uh, National League teams that have progressed to the third round because um, they'll be in that draw. We'll be looking out for them keenly and hopefully they can pull out, um, you know, some nice plum draws for them that will get them um, some glamorise. You know, Boreham Wood went to Everton last season, which was great for them in the fifth round. Um, and I'm sure that, that some of the money that run generated has been gone into Luke Garrard's team this year. If they could get a similar tie this year, you know, it's it's giving um, Luke Garrard those additional resources to to, to make Boreham Wood even more competitive in the National League. We're going to move on and look at the National League. And in the National League, it's the teams in and around mid-table and at the bottom that took centre stage because a lot of the teams at the top of the National League didn't play. Um the old, well, the team who was highest up who played in the National League was Southend. They lost 2-0 away at Aldershot. And as we mentioned, Rob is taking a well-earned rest this week, but he has sent us this voice note about Aldershot's victory. It was a fascinating and a somewhat surprising game at the EBB on Saturday as Aldershot in 18th took on Southend, who were fifth at the start of play. Um, the shot's still temporarily managed by Ross McNeely, the academy manager, had uh, come into the game on the back of three defeats following those three wins when Mark Mosley was first sacked. And they were desperate to get back to winning ways, but it was really, really tough in the opening half an hour. Southend had most of the ball, most of the uh, territory as well, and an order shot had to be pretty good out of possession. However, they got a bit of fortune on 33 minutes when uh, a really good bit of pressing involving Willard and Glover set uh, Justin Amaluza free and uh, he slotted low for his sixth goal of the season and that was important they were clinical because they went into the game without top scorer Inier Fiong who was ill um, and uh, you sensed it might be a long difficult second half for shots perhaps trying to hold on to that lead but they came out and doubled it just three minutes into the second half it was a beautifully flighted free kick from Ollie Harfield and uh, defender Corey Jordan looped a header over everybody and into the far corner of the net. And after that, Aldershot were really, really good value for the win. They they saw the game out comfortably, really. And, and Southend, who'd looked slick and confident at the start of the game, got a little bit scrappy and uh, and they looked a little bit shaky, really. And what for them was their... Uh, became a back-to-back -back de defeat after that 3-1 defeat up at Gateshead last week, which follows an unbeaten run of 11 games. I, I couldn't see a, a distinct problem, a definite problem with Southend. I think they are a good side. They will be up there. And they just had uh, a difficult day at the office where things didn't really go their way. As for the Aldershot Town management position, uh, Pretty good indications that it will be finalised in this coming week, perhaps towards the end of the week. Um, the rumours suggest that it won't be Ross McNeely. 
Uh, I'm not going to mention the one name that I think is most heavily being mentioned in case it's incorrect, but I think we'll be talking about the confirmation of a new Aldershot Town Manager in next weekend's podcast. Well, really good um, result for Aldershot that Dickie, and for Southend, a, a bit of a blow for them. Yeah, it is. I'm sure Southend um, would have gone into that game yesterday, um, not necessarily expecting to get something, but, you know, I, I would think amongst their supporters, hopes would have been high um, that they could, you know, be returning with three points there. But uh, that is a very, very good result for Aldershot. It was the one that caught my eye. I mean, having Rob on the podcast means that, you know, I do look out for them just as a gauge of, of, of what his Saturday night mood was going to be. Um, and I imagine it was uh, exceptionally positive last night. Well, he's that shocked because they won and kept a clean sheet. He's not on today, so uh... <laughs> he's he's receiving smelling salts and uh, medical attention at the moment. Just to, yeah, South End have had two defeats since they've had that that uh, that money trouble in the background. So they lost the gates hitter down the bottom of the league, and and now all the shot was sort of in the bottom third as well. So they've had a bit of off the field problems in the last couple of weeks with the the usual uh, HMRC. Um, court issues. So um, whether South End can keep it going on the pitch while off the pitch is uh, rearing its head again uh, remains to be seen over the next few weeks. Obviously, in Essex, we hear quite a lot about that. So it's always a <coughs> an annual affair with South End. It seems to be the uh, HMRC um, sort of winding up order, but they manage to get going every season. So. But uh, yeah. see I think Ron Martin uses that instead of an advent calendar, as in here's the letter from HMRC. It must be almost the beginning yeah, of well, December. They're trying to build a new stadium, I think, as well, and, and and whether they can get the money going for that as well. I think they need to sort of just get by over the next couple of months um, until apparently they've got some money coming in next next year. So, but uh, yeah, see if they can keep uh, it going. I know being in that kind of situation can galvanise a group of players. It can like pull pull players together. Um, yeah. My concern is always that, the, that, that there's only so long that that <clears throat> can last. That the longer that kind of uncertainty goes on, um, the less that galvanising effect remains. <laughs> um, so yeah, it, uh, we're going to be keeping a keen eye on what's happening at South End. Obviously, we don't want um, anything. Um, untoward to happen for them simply because of the supporters because you know we've seen you see the impact it has on um uh when when people lose their football club i'm not suggesting we're at that point with south end united but so the fact that you refer to this as an almost annual event and that people in essex are kind of like used to this um that can't be an easy backdrop to to, no. to be an employee at the club or a player at the club yeah, and there's there's worries about some staff, I think, not getting paid and things like that. So um on time. So but uh, mm. yeah, they normally sort themselves out, so I think it's they're probably used to it. Yeah. A real life version of EastEnders, isn't it? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> At the minute. Uh, Wheelstone, they after a good start, they slipped down the table, but they're on the way back up again. They won three one against Scunthorpe, who are in a sorry state themselves. At a minute, Scunthorpe actually took the lead through Kieran Lavery on 20 minutes, but a match Kretschmar equalised with a penalty. Joe Nuttall was sent off, got a straight red card just before half-time. Michael Ribeiro put the stones back ahead on 64 before Olafella Olamola got the third goal. And we heard from Lewis Kinsella last week, didn't we, Dickie, about Wheelstone and the team spirit. And um, they seem to be back on track, don't they? 
Yeah, they do. Um, they're up to 10th in the table uh, as a result of that um, that win yesterday. I mean, and Scunthorpe plunged into 23rd. They're actually level on points with Torquay in last place, and it's only goal difference that's keeping Scunthorpe from rock bottom of, of that division. Um, I suppose it's one of those ones where, you know, you look at, at that as a Scunthorpe fan and... Uh, it's hard to maintain any positivity when you're looking at that and think to yourself, how far have we fallen that we are losing away from home to go joint bottom of the table on points to a semi-professional side. Now, Wheelston are a good semi-professional side. Absolutely, they are. And, you know, they've um, they've shown that by the results they've got so far this season. But, yeah, it's a very unhappy Christmas if you're a Scunthorpe United fan. No, absolutely. And... Um... Well, both ex-league sides are struggling. Who've come down, as we've mentioned, all of them didn't play yesterday. We need to play Dagenham, but as we mentioned earlier, they are in the FA Cup. Um, Torquay, as we mentioned, Joe isn't on this week. They had a six-pointer, it was fair to say, against Gateshead. Both of them cancelled each other out. The goals were in a five-minute period in the second half. Aaron Jarvis gave Torquay the lead, but Gateshead equalised through Owen Bailey. On 75, a result which does neither side either good. It drops Gates back into the bottom four. But as you say, it's another point for Torquay towards sort of the teams above them. It is, yeah. I mean, I was just looking this up actually. That's got to be possibly one of the longest distance away days in the National League. 385 miles from Gateshead to Torquay. Um, I'm sure Gateshead are the happier with the point out of that one, although in the situation that they're they're in, you know, both sides need three, really, to be perfectly honest with you. I bet when the fixture came out and uh, they saw it was on the 27th of November, they they probably just relieved to get the game over and done with and not get it called off, I think. <laughs> Yeah, I think that probably is a, a, a you know a big relief. I know that's certainly something that happens when the fixture lists come out. You know, when I look at Telford's fixtures, that you're always looking for those longer distance ones in in winter that could be affected by call offs and things like that. Just because, yeah, the inconvenience of having to travel in midweek, but you just know the impact on semi professional players. Um, that's not the case, obviously, with with Gates and Torquay. They are full time, but you know when when you're struggling for points. Um, that's not um, a, a great fixture to be looking forward to. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if Gateshead are actually probably just still making their way back home even now. It's that far. Yeah. Set off at home, half five in Turkey and they're still not home. Um, yeah, that is a hell of a trip, isn't it? Well, at least um, they got a point. Imagine that journey home if they'd lost. Oh, God, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it, that would. You know, when you say it's a long journey home, to be fair, that is a long journey home, isn't it? So... Yeah, absolutely. Um, good point there for Gateshead in the end. Uh, talking of Joe, he was at Yeovil's game against FC Halifax. As I said, he's not on the pod, but he has sent us this voice note about the game. Big win for Yeovil. Three points, much needed three points. And they will come away feeling that it was a case of the defence. Very strong performance defensively. Morgan Williams and Owen Bevan were outstanding. Um, FC Halifax had the better of the chances. Uh, Kean Spence a number of times tried to feed the ball through and got the ball through on a number of occasions, but the Yeovil bat line snuffled them out. Um, and offensively, Yeovil were poor. Um, didn't offer anything. Their only real attempt was the penalty. Um, but Mark Cooper was brought in to get results, and that's what he's doing at the moment. He's making them solid. 
difficult to beat and they're getting results. Um, Halifax will feel that they're disappointed that they didn't get something from the game. I thought that Rob Harker should have got a goal um, and could have also got a penalty in the second half when he was pulled back. Um, and a big chance at the end from Festus Arthur, which went straight over the bar. Um, so Chris Milliton will be disappointed. Um, there was a couple of key talking points. Red card for Matt Worthington, which I think was a correct one. Um, I think he did go to ground a little easily, perhaps not a dive, but he did go to the ground quite easily. Um, and uh, the referee had every right, given that he was on a yellow, to send him off. Um, the penalty, again, the correct decision. He warned the player not to pull back the shirt. And then when the ball was swung in, he continued to do it and he rightly pointed to the spot. So in all, a good result for Yeovil. The performance still needs to be better. But after the start that they had under Chris Hargreaves, they'll be pleased that they've managed to get some points on the board. And that's now two clean sheets in a row for Yeovil. And that'll be a real, real boost. So a good win there for Yeovil and another team who had a good win. And it keeps their head just above the relegation zone. Uh, Maidstone, they got off to a, a flying start against Maidenhead. Dominic Odesanya opened the score. And Regan Booty added a second from the penalty spot. Charlie Adams got a goal back for Maidenhead. But then they went 3-1 up Maidstone 3, Christy oh. Patterson, before it was a consolation goal towards the end from Reese Smith. And, and Ben, a massive result that for Maidstone. Yeah, um, yeah, Maidstone. Um, they've, they've sort of. I think they're just trying to stay up in this league. I mean, the, the last time they were in the division, I think they came almost straight back down again. So um, they've kept a lot of the side from last season's title-winning team together. So they've sort of uh, they've got that sort of squad camaraderie, maybe that 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 they can keep them through when they're not having a good run and uh, to beat the. the the key is to beat the sides around you, isn't it? In the in the national league, and Maiden, Maidenhead have sort of come to be mid-table, aren't they? So, but um, you know, there's a lot of tough games in that league, isn't there? So, um, for them to pick up any points, I mean, they're on a good round. I've seen they've only lost one of their last five now, Maidstone. So they just need to to keep going and try and get to sort of 50 points, and I think that that would be a success for for Hakan Heretin at Maidstone. To stay up. Dickie and Maidenhead, again, another funny side. You see, you see they're playing a top side and you think, you don't know what, they'll probably get a draw or I'll win that. And then you see they play a bottom side and you're not so sure, are you? Are you? No, we say it so frequently, don't we, that, you know, Maidenhead are, are capable of bludgeoning the nose of the sides higher up. But it is the matches against the teams that are closer to them in the league um, that seem to be the ones to give them problems. I mean, and, and it I'm sure if Alan Devergen knew the answer, he would do something about it, you know, um, because it is a a rather unfathomable situation, you know, if those players can do that. But I guess it's about consistency. um, And, you know, if there is that little bit of extra motivation for them against the teams that are higher up, but they just can't deliver that on a consistent basis, that's probably part of it. Another good win for Olchigam Dickey there, climbing up the table. Uh, Elliot Newby's proving to be a good signing for them. He opened a scoring in the first half. Ryan Colcliffe added a second on 77 minutes. Danny Whitehall got a goal back for Eastley in the last minute. But uh, Olchigam is starting to click into gear now. 
Yeah, they are. They're hitting good form. And, you know, I, th- I think the arrival of Elliot Newby, I'm just looking, I think that's something like his, his third goal for them since he arrived on loan from Stockport County. Um, he, he did actually play for Altrincham many years ago. I think he had a loan spell with them um, some time back. So it's a, it's a very happy return to uh, for him to Moss Lane. Um, and yeah, picking up points nicely, Altrincham. I think we spoke at the start of the season about this adjustment of them going full-time. I think in both of the previous two seasons in the National League, they'd improved their standing. I think they improved their standing last season by one position from what they were the season before. You know, so if they can just finish up higher than that, I would think that would count as a success, particularly in this period they're going through where they're making that adjustment. Um, and yeah, um, you know, whether that would then give them the ability to sort of like try and persuade Elliot Newby to, to stay permanently got to think that perhaps his opportunities at Stockport County are going to be limited. Um, he is Northwest based. So, you know, Altring are making themselves a very attractive, op- you know, um, option for players who are wanting to play full time in the Northwest, just because of that, that, you know, the movements up and down the table of others. First win in six for Dorking. They beat York City, as we mentioned, are having a, a tough time of it since John Askey left. They're slipping down the table. It was a goal in the first half from James McShane, which got all three points for Mark Whiteside. And um, surprisingly as well, Ben, a clean sheet for Dorking. Yeah, I think they've got the worst. They uh, conceded the most goals in the league. Well, they've got 45 in, in 19 games and now 20 games. So, But they can always score goals, Dorking, especially at home on, on the artificial surface they play really um brave football i would say sort of a split center backs and a midfielder coming back into the defense to sort of take it off them and uh, they play you know quite interesting football but uh you know a clean sheet i think they're under a bit of pressure from york as well in the second half and they've held it out and york seen have lost four of their last five and the other game is a draw so they're mm. sort of slipping down um, they're still seven points above the relegation zone, but they're sort of looking down rather than up at the moment, York. York's last league win was on the 8th of October. So that's, you know, becoming a bit of a, a distant memory. I mean, you can, um, for all the fact that that was the case, I mean, the fans clearly believed in John Askin, the, the fans clearly believed he was the right man for the job. Um, and I guess it's one of those things that, you know, having made that change um, and they haven't made a, a permanent appointment yet, um, we'll only know in the fullness of time whether that was actually the right decision, won't we? Just on Darkin, Ben, are you, obviously you saw them a lot last year. They've kept a lot of the same squad. We all know about the documentary and how they play. Um, are you surprised that they're in 14th or are you not surprised? Did you think when you see that team, you think they'll do all right in the National League? Well, they've got, they're always going to have um, money behind them. They brought in one of the top scorers in the National League South last year, Ryan Seeger. Um, they, they brought in a couple of other players. Um, Jack Jeb from Dartford as well, who was an excellent midfielder. So they've, they strengthened their side um, well in the summer. Um, and they're always going to, they, you know, Mark White has built a sort of culture of getting promoted there and, and winning. So, mm. But I think he said himself, you know, staying in this division would be an achievement as as much as coming through the leagues below would have been. So mm. I think, you know, if they can finish mid-table, I think they'll be uh, very happy with that. 
And apparently off the record, he says he wants to win the league, but there we go. That's not going to happen. Um, but also they've got, they've got, they've got Alfie Rutherford to come back. Of course, he had his, um, he had his heart operation over the last couple of weeks. So we wish him well. And he's got his ACL as well. So he probably won't be back until next season, but that's like, that'll be like a new player for them as well. So we're going to look now at the National League South. And in the National League South, it was Dartford who went top. They beat Concord by three goals to one, albeit they've played two, three games more than the teams below them. Sammy Carruthers opened the scoring, but they were pegged back Concord by Mo, Mo Bettimer, who's there, the former Aldershot man and Libyan international. Pierre Fonku put them back ahead, and then there was an own goal from Aaron Pollock to seal the deal. Uh, Chelmsford, as we mentioned, Ben, you're there, and... Um, they won 3-1 away at Worthing and a good victory. Yeah, it was a really good game. Um, you know, our manager called it a really good advert for the league. Proper you know, passing football. It wasn't the, the typical non-league you know, kick and rush style that uh, you know, outside people might uh, think that, that that's all football is at the National League level. It was really a tactical game. Adam Hinchelwood you know, sticks to his, his principles at Worthing. Very good. Obviously, with the artificial surface helps, but to play that style of football, we're not worried about bobbles or anything like that, really. So, but uh, yeah, we we it was a, we started really well. Um, Kai Yearn um, opened the scoring for us after about twenty minutes um, with a good finish past the keeper, and then the second goal. I don't know if you've seen it on um, our social media from Cameron James, um, free kick flicked on down the right hand side. He's chested it into the penalty area and then from wide out on the right, he's had a shot across goal and it's ended up in the top corner, um, like a Van Basten style half volley from that sort of angle. And then, um, so have a look on, um, go and check that out, goal, uh, that goal out if you haven't seen it, because it's well worth having a look at. And then we gave a bit of a sloppy goal away uh, 10 minutes from the before half time. Then where then come back into it and probably could have equalised but we started the second half really well and and, and Worthing's style um, was their downfall in the end. We sort of robbed them of, of possession in their own box and uh, squared it for Tom Blackwell to tap in. And then Worthing put a bit of pressure on us sort of last 20 minutes, as you'd expect. A lot of headers coming in, but uh, we held firm, obviously. Um, you know, I've talk, I talked about it last time, Ovier, Jeheria, on loan Arsenal goalkeeper. Uh, putting off a couple of good saves again, but uh, anyway, we, you know, considering we lost Charlie Ruff uh, to have an in midweek uh, or last Saturday, um, he wasn't allowed to play in the FA Trophy um, to avoid being cup tied, but having ended up getting knocked out. So, um, but, rough justice, uh, eh? yeah, <laughs> interesting. But Kai Yearn, um is only seventeen, but he's been uh, in and around the England under sixteen squad and. With um, he's on loan from Cambridge United, and he sort of stepped up to play in that number ten role, um, where Ruff was playing, and he got his first league goal yesterday. So he, he looks a real talent, Kai. Talking of having, they only drew one one away at Tombridge. Tombridge have had two good results now against Ebsley and now against Haven, and a missed opportunity for Haven. They didn't go top in the end. Uh, Mo Fowl equalised to rescue. Paul Doswell's side a point, seven minutes from time, but a, a good week for Tunbridge, not so good for Haven. 
Yeah, I think that's our only league defeat away this season is at Tunbridge. So they've had a plastic uh, surface put down in, in the summer and that's really helping their, them. The, the pitch wasn't great last season at Tunbridge, but um, newly uh, put down three Gs is helping them out. Um, haven't they had a, it was a bizarre moment in the first half um, where haven't got given a penalty very early on, but uh, James Roberts, um, who's normally a very good striker, uh, slipped over and kicked the ball twice. So um, the referee ended up giving him a yellow card uh, for a double kick penalty. So, uh, and uh, I think he missed anyway. It would have been disallowed if it had gone in. So a, a, a strange moment there. But haven't did equalise late on um, and got a point. But Tunbridge is, a, is an improving side. Under Jay Saunders, obviously got Maidstone promoted from from this level. And a big game next Saturday, isn't it? As as Chelmsford host Dartford. Yeah, it was, it's a local derby anyway. That's sort of one of our um, ongoing rivalries in the league. We've we've played them so often over the last few years, um, and they were always in our league back in the Southern League days as well. So, um, yeah, it's, it should be a cracking game. Dartford have gone top. As you said, they've played four games more than Ebbsfleet now, I think. So, um, but you know, they're top. They've got the points on the board, um, uh, and it should be a cracking game at, at Melbourne next Saturday. Um, um, it's the first time we're going to meet this season, so you know, there's a few, uh, you know, Charlie Sheringham's there, but uh, we've got a couple of their old players. So, um, yeah, it should be it should be a cracking game. Yeah, and of course. Um... Well, as as mentioned uh, or not mentioned yet, all the games are twelve thirty kickoff. I think so. If you are thinking of going to that, don't turn up at three o'clock because uh, everyone will be gone. The ground will be closed up. <laughs> well, it's so. <laughs> well, if England are playing at three o'clock, um, if we ended up finishing second in the group, that's uh, why the games are all um, early in the day. Or if Wales ended up finishing second, they would be at three o'clock. Obviously, with Brexit in the National League as well, so. Um, that's why the National League said uh, you can move the kickoffs. I think there's a game, a few games on Friday night as well. So, um, yeah, check check your local fixture if you are planning on going to a game next week when it actually kicks off. Yeah, we'll be covering it all here on the NL Full Time Podcast next week. Um, looking at some of the other results, um, friend of the podcast Scotty Davis, he's been announced as permanent manager now at Slough. He's, he's player manager. However, uh, it didn't go that well for him. They lost 5-1 at home to Eastbourne. So, a baptism of fire and he'll have a few more grey hairs, won't he, Ben? Yeah, I mean, Slough put a statement out midweek and they've got some financial issues at the moment. They had a, a shirt sponsor pull out on the eve of the season that left them a bit shorthanded in terms of money that they were expecting. I think they've had... Um, a decrease in season ticket holders as well. So um, if you are local to Slough, they need your support at the moment, um, despite a heavy home defeat. And uh, um, it's not easy. I mean, the, he's got an assistant manager as well, Lee Togwell, that's also playing as well. So I'm not sure who's managing from the sideline when they're they're both playing on the field. <laughs> as well as they're trying to play and manage, it's very difficult. But Eastbourne, we beat them 5-0 a couple of weeks ago. And since then, they've won four and drawn one. So... They've had a real turnaround of late Eastbourne. Yeah, but real must have been a kick up the backside for them losing it at Chelmsford. But um, 
another one of your Essex rivals, Braintree, are flying as well. They're still in the playoff places. They beat Hungerford by three goals to two. They had to come from behind as well. Uh, two second half goals in two minutes in the 74th and 76th minutes. Saw them get the three points and um, we keep mentioning it, but Braintree are having a, an amazing season, aren't they? Yeah, it's a bit like when they got promoted uh, a few years ago under Brad D. Quinton. They sort of weren't really expected um, to to do much this season. I mean, they almost they were bottom of the league for most of the time last season before escaping at the latter stages. Um, but yeah, they, they haven't really got any sort of household names, but they've signed a couple of experienced players like the ex-South End Colchester player, John White at the back. And they've they lost their top scorer, um, Levi Manchi, to Brackley. Um, but I think they've signed in Alfie Blair on loan again from Dagenham. So um, they've got some goals in the team then. Because, uh, yeah, see, I think they played Brackley last week. And obviously then <laughs> uh, Brackley was impressed with him. And, and, and he's, got, he's gone to the National League North side. So. But yeah, they, and they beat Brackley last week as well in the yeah. Trophy Braintree. So they're still doing well in that. And for them to be fifth, I think after last season is, is very pleasing for them. But we've got two games against them over Christmas, Christmas uh, Boxing Day, and New Year's Day. So they're going to be big games as well. Yes, yeah, so Albans back in the playoff spots as well. They won three 0 over Bath and. A familiar name back on the score sheet. Two goals for Sean Jeffers, one from the penalty spot, and then Mitchell Vice in the second half saw the Saints go marching on. Uh, down at the bottom, a significant result for Weymouth there, creeping up now. They're only six points off getting out of the relegation zone. Big win for them away at Welling. Yeah, um, I think, um, yeah, Welling, it's, um, they've had a, a lot of um, money put behind them this season, but the results aren't working out as well as they think as they would have liked, I think. And Weymouth, uh, two wins in a row. And they've got Chesant next Saturday, who are just above them in the league. So there's a chance for them to come off the bottom of the league um, if they win that one. Um, Yeah, winning at Welling and then beating Braintree last week. So they've had a couple of good results against teams uh, um, pushing towards the playoffs. Yeah, also in the playoff spots are, uh, are in the bottom four. Hungerford, who we mentioned, they've been on the side and, and chipping them, but obviously they've had FA Cup commitments, so um, they'll probably be fine, won't they, chipping them once they're, they're out of the FA Cup, do you think? Yeah, yeah as I said, I think last time I was on, the, the problem for chipping them is the away form. They're always very strong at home, but the away form is is a real worry. They're uh, the worst in the league, haven't won away this season yet, so... Um, Harden Hughes Park is a very difficult place to go with the slope and it's a very cramped ground and uh, they play it well there but away from home they've struggled this year so that's going to be the key for them to, to stay up I think winning away from home Yeah Chesson as you mentioned they lost again They this time at home to Oxford City who were just in below the final playoff spots uh, Tom Harrison Open the scoring there for Oxford City. There was an equaliser from Reese Beckles for Chesson, but then the winner was scored by Aaron William Bushel and Oxford City again, as I say, just uh, outside the playoff spots. Hampton and Richmond, they lost at home 2 0 to Dover. Hemel and Taunton, they drew 1 1. 
Yeah, I was just going to say about Hampton, they've had a horrendous injury crisis. I think they had nine players out. So they signed a couple of, um, just to get an 11 out, I think, um, against Dover. So uh, Dan Wishart has come in, who's an experienced player at the National League and National League South level. So, um, But they beat us last Saturday, Hampton, uh, or a couple of Saturdays ago. Um, but uh, I think that's their only win in a while. So, But uh, I think for them to get enough competitive 11 out was a struggle for them on Saturday uh, for Gary McCann. So... But uh, yeah, they're they're st- they're still in problems, Hampton. Ben, thanks for joining us. Thank you very much. Yeah, it's nice to be on. Let's look now at the National League North. And uh, Dicky, I'm going to start with you. We'll get the therapy out of the way early, um, <laughs> and we'll start at the bottom. Um, so yeah, have have a lie down on the table, Dicky, and. Uh, well, yeah, get it all out because Telford lost three 0 away at Curzon. They're now thirteen points adrift at the bottom. And I'm guessing it's not alarm bells ringing. There's a big red siren going off, is there? Yeah, I think there is. Um, I mean, at, at one point yesterday during the game, I actually heard Kevin Wilkins shout to the players, it's not a bomb about the ball, obviously mm-hmm. trying to encourage them to sort of like be more comfortable in possession of it. But I did remark that the ball might not be a bomb, but there's some things definitely ticking somewhere, unfortunately. Um, and it and it looks like, you know, the, the clock that's counting down, It's 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 Pretty bad times at Telford at the moment. That's an eighth consecutive league defeat. Um, they haven't picked up a point since Kevin Wilkin came in as manager, which I don't think is a reflection on Kevin Wilkin, but it's just, um, you know, the, 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 the size of the task he's got in front of him. Not helped by injuries. Um, it, obviously the players he's, he's been able to bring have only been loan players. So that's not ideal. Um, even hampered to Dubai. Um, being held upon the M6 motorway going north, which meant it was a 3.15 kickoff. They're small things, but just every little small thing seems to go against you when you're at the the bottom. And yeah, as well as the small things, you know, there are big things as well. You know, there's mistakes being made on the field, which are just costing goals time and time again. Like you say, it's it's looking bleak and I'm guessing they're not going to be giving up. And do you think Kevin Wilkin regrets taking the job now, or...? I don't know. I, I would have to ask him that question. I mean, it, I, I suppose having not long been sacked by Brackley Town, it, you know, it, it it wasn't as if he'd walked away from Brackley to come to Telford. He, he, he was available. Um, uh, you know, I'm sure he would have been aware of the size of the task, having seen Telford a couple of times before he actually took the job. Um, but I think it's only when you actually get in to the manager's office and sit down and start to find out more about the players that you really find out what kind of a task you've got on your hands. And yeah, I would have to say at the moment, that probably is a bigger task than the anticipated. Um, yeah. Telford just have to keep going in this situation. There is no option. Kevin Wilkin is, you know, very honest about that kind of thing. He, he, I mean, he said after the game yesterday, he, he didn't go into the dressing room and tear strips off the players. He said, because what, what good does that do? You know, he needs them to play for them. He needs them to, um, you know, do their best for them. And, and, and that would just be a counterproductive move to go in there and, and, and start, um, you know, verbally flinging the teacups around, as it were. So um, he's a very measured man. He's a very thoughtful, you know, he, he, I don't think he does anything um, without a certain amount of thinking behind it. But, Unfortunately, it's time. It's against him, you know, and and um, yeah, it's. 
I'm not going to say I can't see how we can get out of it because you have to retain hope. But, you know, that that's I know some Telford fans certainly feel that, you know, it's done already. Yeah, well, you'd probably need promotion farm as well, wouldn't you? I think we would. Yeah, I think when you're looking at the number of wins, I think, you know, you just have to. It's a, such a cliche, but you just have to take each game as it comes, try and get as much from each individual game as they come and hope that that builds something um, and just show the kind of qualities that Kevin Wilkin is looking for. Um, I don't know how many of these players will be around at Telford beyond the end of this season. You know, you would look and think that realistically, wherever whatever division they find themselves in, there's going to need to be or there will be a clear out of players. Um, but yeah, Kevin Wilkins finding difficulty with that at the moment. When, you know, just moving players out. He's got players you probably maybe wouldn't be playing or wouldn't be playing in the positions that they're having to play if he got more options. But he is struck very badly by injuries as well at the moment. Um, and yeah, it just seems like, uh, you know, as one door closes another one slams in his face great well same time next week shall i book you in (laughs) (laughs) yeah you just want to use that and we'll just replay the same thing again next week no clearly (laughs) i mean seriously we we hope that's not the case there is a certain amount of gallows humor but there there is that fine line between gallows humor and sort of like accepting defeat Mm. and i don't think it's in anybody's interests to accept defeat i think you've got to you know put your shoulders back and try and be a bit defiant about this kind of situation but yeah it's tough i mean there was a 3-0 defeat at Kurs Nashton yesterday all over by half time um it was 3-0 at half time telford lost in midweek against kidderminster harriers and um you know led for most of the game led till about five minutes from time and then just the, the pressure that they'd been putting in the second half by Kidderminster, just the dam broke two quick goals um, and having shown more of that kind of fighting spirit that Kevin Wilkin wanted, unfortunately, they came away once again with with no points. I mean, I, I, I'm going to throw this in just because I really like this stat. Um, Joe Leesley from Kidderminster Harriers has just joined them from Boston. He's actually played at the New Books Head for three different teams this season. He's played there for Boston. He's played there on loan for Darlington and he's played for Kidderminster and he's collected nine points on those three visits, which is more points than Telford have actually got in their entire season as a team, you know, so, uh, take your own bid for him. (laughs) Well, I don't think he's going to be going anywhere. And that, that's the difficulty. I think Kevin Wilkin knows, the types of players that he needs and he knows the types of players that he likes to work with. Um, but, you know, getting them in is the problem. Who's going to want to come to Telford in the situation that they're in? And I think that's one of the reasons why, you know, the fans have, and, and the players have got to show some resolve, got to show some fighting spirit. So they at least look like a club that pl- players might look at and go, you know, it's not great at the moment, but it could be better. Whereas I think there's just such an air of despondency around the place at the moment. I think if you just allow that to continue, it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. I'm sure Kevin Wilkin, will it be sadly looking at the top of the table where his former team Brackley are at the top? They drew 1-1 with Blythe and um, Blythe equalised late on. Some interesting stats which uh, Blythe Spirit have tagged us into on Twitter. It's their third 1-1 National League North home draw of the season. It's a sixth home draw. It's the sixth time they've been nil-nil at halftime at home. Seventh time in 10 National League North games they've gone one-nil down. The fourth time they've gone one-nil down and drawn a game. It's the 16th. Uh, it's, they've scored an 11th. scored an 11 of 13 home games this season 
as well. Um, so Blythe showing some fighting spirit, but he's all tied Brackley at the top. Yeah, indeed. I mean, that, that that we went to Blythe just a few weeks ago, and and uh, you know you can look at that Blythe Spartan side and say, looking through it, how much quality is there in that side, and and in terms of actual ability. But I tell you what, they do possess. They possess that that defiance and that kind of fighting spirit in abundance. Um, and I think Telford fans would take that at this moment in time. Their fans are also like that as well. You know, it's never an easy visit to Croft Park. Their fans like to involve themselves in the game and make things difficult for away teams, not in a, uh, you know, in a way that crosses the line, but just by showing that sort of like passion and that, and that making it a, an uncomfortable place to be for 90 minutes for an away team. And, um, uh, you know, that, that's what Telford need more of at the moment. As for, for, for Brackley, I mean, I, you know, Kevin Wilkin wouldn't be human if he didn't look and sort of think about potentially what, what might have been. Um, I know that, you know, there are some, uh, not reasons behind his departure from Brackley, but, you know, there are some things that have happened since, which um, I think there might have been a, a bit of a willingness or a lack of willingness to invest in, in playing staff over the, the summer, which now doesn't appear to be the case. And, and you know, that sometimes is the case, you know, that a board will find a bit more money to back a new manager. You know, Roger Johnson has got that, that bounce out of Brackley. I mean, they weren't that badly placed to start with. You know, they were mid-table. Um, and they've just they've kicked on nicely, um, but yeah, he would only be um, too human to look at that. But uh, I'm going to use one of his favourite phrases um, now, you know, which is that um, that's the situation he finds himself in. That's mm. he can't do anything about the past. He is at Telford now, um, and I'm sure he'll be working as hard as he can with his staff to try and pull it around. But yeah, it's got to um, grate a little bit to look at how, how well Brackley are doing. Down to moved up into second. They won two on away at Hereford. That's come from behind as well. And um, some pretty disturbing news as well at the end of the game. Yeah, there is. I mean, I wasn't aware of this until quite recently. I mean, it's a, it's really, first of all, it's a really, really good result for Darlington. It's another really long distance away trip um, from Darlington to Hereford. Um, there was a, a goal in the first half from Jack Evans for Hereford, but Ben Little equalised that one. And Jack Lambert scored a second half winner. I think there's also footage which I've seen of Jack Lambert hitting the the uh, the frame of the goal for Darlington with a shot from something like 10 15 yards inside his own half as well so he's clearly in good form at the moment I know he scored a couple of goals when they went at Telford the other week so he does look to be in in fine form yeah the 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 less savoury stuff you're talking about is a report that, that um Jacob Hazel of Darlington was subjected to some homophobic abuse from the crowd did point out the, the culprit or the the area in which the culprit was stood to the officials and a report has been made to the FA you know it doesn't reflect well on Hereford um, I'm sure it's not representative of Hereford as a fan base but it's one of these things where um, you know if Hereford if, if fans of any team don't want their name blackened by being connected to these kind of things it's down to them to root this kind of thing out and when they hear it report it themselves, you know, rather than turning a blind eye to this kind of thing, because that's the only way we, it will stop. It, it is absolutely everybody's business to make football the same as the rest of society should be, just a place where everybody can, you know, go about their business without being subjected to that kind of thing. 
Well, yeah, I was going to say you you wouldn't have it in uh, everyday life, but sadly you do. But it's it seems a bit easier at maybe a football match. Do people think you can get away with it? I think sometimes they do. I think there is that little bit of that hiding in the crowd um, mentality about it. Um, and, you know, I know that I don't think it's, I'm going to say I don't think it's so much a younger generation that attend football now. I think it sometimes perhaps is just something that's held on to by maybe some of the older generations. And sometimes things are said, which I don't think people necessarily, this isn't excusing it, but I th- I'm not sure if sometimes the older generation realise it can be quite as offensive as it is. Um, but, mm. you know, it's it's an education issue. And people just need to be told, you know, this is not acceptable anymore. Um, and you're going to have to, you know, change your ways, but you know, it's it's uh, what Hereford will do if they can identify if they do identify this person. You know, you'd think some kind of um, ban from the ground is, is going to be in order. A, a rare home defeat for Scarborough, their first defeat since February in the league. They lost three one at home to Chester. The well placed still in the playoff places, but that's a remarkable record that they've had. Yes, it is. Um, you know, I think they've literally just gone over a year unbeaten at home. Um, and there is almost that. I'm sure that the, the people who perhaps do the social media, etc. at Scarborough might be sort of like wishing that they hadn't made such a big thing about this year-long unbeaten run, because as soon as they mention it, it's gone. Um, a little bit like Josh Gowling winning manager of the month for Hereford and then losing three on the bounce straight away. It is, you know, you, you sometimes think, oh dear, have I talked ourselves into that? But you know, it's going to happen at some point. Um, and I'm sure Scarborough will will rebound from this. But it's really, really good win for Chester. I think they're in great form at the moment. I think they're, they're fifth. They've snuck up unannounced, haven't they? Yeah, they're unbeaten. And I think something like their last six with four wins, um, you know, are making, you know, a bit of a fool of me in that I said at the start of the season, I thought they might be potential for relegation just because I didn't see, you know, where the strengthening of that side had been made that was, um, you know, good enough, really. But, you know, but yeah, I mean, we, we put our necks on the line a bit when we make predictions, you know, so you've got to be prepared to to own it and wear it and say that, you know, Chester are defying my expectations at the moment. Goals from Cole Hall, uh, Charlie Caton, who's on loan to them from Shrewsbury Town, he scored yesterday, uh, and Kurt Willoughby with a third. So that's all three of their forward players on target yesterday, which will uh, doubtless please manager Callum McIntyre. Dickie, they've not lost in the league since the 27th of August. Um, they've lost in the cup in that time. They've had quite a few draws, which has maybe held them back a little bit. But as you say, that's um, six wins out of the last eight. Yeah, and it's that thing, you know, if you can't win a game, don't lose it. And, you know, by not losing, um, by getting draws over that period, they've stayed in that mid-table area. And when they have got a run of form together and started collecting maximum points, you've seen the effect, you know, it's propelled them into the playoff places. Yeah, filed are in sixth at the minute, but they have got games in hand. That's with their FA Cup runs and FA Trophy runs that they've been on. They beat Alfreton by two goals to nil. Uh, Filed have have got a permanent bossing place now as well, haven't they? Yeah, they have. Um, they made an appointment by uh, bringing in Adam Murray, the um, who, who had a spell as manager of Boston United a few years ago. He's been working as a number two more regularly since then. I think that he's had a spell in in Turkey. I can't remember which club it was off the top of my head. I'm sure you'll probably Rashid tell says, me. I think somebody said it was. Yeah, I think that's right. Yeah, from what you said. Um, and, 
you know, he, he, I guess he sort of, he does fit the, um, he fitted clearly the profile of what Fylde were looking for. I think I only mentioned on this podcast the day before that they were still seemed to be waiting and, you know, hadn't made an appointment and you've got Andy Taylor in post and what were they going to do in the space of 24 hours? Um, Adam Murray had stepped into the role. Um, a solid 2-0 win for them yesterday. Goals from Amiga Obi and yet Nick Horton had his cape out yesterday. Didn't need to be a rescue act. They were already one goal up, but he made it safe with a penalty in the 84th minute. Alfreton, they're on a little bit of a sticky run at the moment. I don't think they've won since um, a 2-1 win at Telford on the 29th of October. Um, but, you know, I'm sure they'll try and pull that round. They've also recruited um Yusufu Cisse has gone back to Alfreton from Kidderminster Harry as a move that didn't work out in the summer um and he's gone back to a manager he knows Billy Heath and a manager who who, who seemed to get results out of him last season so that 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 should help uh, boost the Alfreton camp a little yeah Banbury started the season really well then they had a really sticky patch um especially through October where they didn't win a game at all and then they got back to winning ways away at Buxton and they've not lost since and they're now back in the playoff places. Yeah, they are. They had a, a, a thumping 6-0 win in the FA Trophy last week against Stowmarket Town. Um, and it, what sounds like a reason, well, I'm not going to say routine, it took until the second half for them to break down Chorley yesterday. Um, they led through Jack Stevens scoring just into the second half. I think probably the big turning point in this game um, looks like it was the dismissal of Chorley captain Scott Leather in the 66th minute. He picked up a second yellow card and then, yeah, Banbury extended their lead away in the last 10 minutes. Goals from um, Alex Babos and uh, Giorgio Rasulo in the last 10 um, made it safe at 3-0. Chorley, bit inconsistent this season um you know i think just looking at the 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 table as to where they are surely in 11th which is probably a little bit less than they might have expected of course they did lose jamie vermiglia in the summer but appointed andy priest his assistant so there should have been a degree of continuity there um yeah banbury just snuck back into the last playoff place in seventh and um, yeah i'll see them next saturday i'll get my first look at banbury when they they visit telford We've got to talk about uh, Kidderminster Dickey mid-table. They seem to be doing better away from home than at Agbert at the minute and a, a home defeat to Gloucester on Saturday. Yeah, it's, you know, what, what's happening at Kidderminster is a, is a bit of a conundrum. I mean, I, I, I had managed to have a quick word um, with Russ Penn at the, the Telford-Kidderminster game the other night. Um, I know there have been a, some some moves in and out. I think um, Nathan Lowe, and Yusufu Cisse were both moved out this week. I mentioned Cisse earlier. I, I, I've heard rumours that that was due to some um, uh, indiscipline around the training ground, shall we call it, that, that, that meant that Russ Penn had to act fairly swiftly to, to remove them from that. Um, they got a good 2-1 win at Telford on Tuesday night, and, and I think some Kidderminster fans maybe felt that was a little bit more like the Kidderminster that they knew. They did put Telford under a lot of pressure in the second half. But yeah, back to their um, unfortunate ways at home yesterday. Matt McClaw's 51st-minute goal, enough for Gloucester, who've been struggling themselves a little bit recently to get results. Um, and yeah, once again, there does seem to be a little bit of a pressure element about playing in front of the crowd at Agra for some of the Kidderminster fans. And 
I'm going to say it again. I I have to think that this is down to expectation and the expectations that were raised by how well they did last season, um, you know, are weighing heavily upon the the group that Kidderminster have got now. Um, And, and, you know, I don't think the fans are necessarily hostile. I've not, you know, necessarily witnessed that myself, but, but, they are they are a club that that believe they should be higher. They are a club that believe at the very least they should be a national league team. Um, and when things don't go well, um, yeah, it does invite pressure. And and Russ Penn's in the most difficult managerial or spell of his managerial career so far. But you know, he's a um, he's a he's an honest, um, uh, you know, fairly forthright kind of fella, and I, I'm sure he'll do his best to get them through it. Yeah, if you had hair, he'd be tearing it out, wouldn't he? I <laughs> well, I think that must be something that's akin to Russ and most of his backroom stuff, actually, because there's, there's, um, yeah, there's barely a, any hair between them. But I think that's more through choice, to be perfectly honest. I think, <laughs> I think they get the old um, razor out and and do that and save themselves on some haircutting bills. Um, down at the bottom as well, another a massive win for Bradford Park Avenue. They beat Boston, and Boston are. A, Treading water a little bit in 17th. They were leading, weren't they, through Jake Wright? But then two goals within five minutes. Simon Richmond and Jacob Blythe uh, saw Bradford Park and you get the three points and a massive for them. Yeah, Bly has been a really big addition for Bradford Park Avenue this season. I think I suggested he was in with a shout of being October Player of the Month in the, the the National League North. He'd scored three winning goals in that period. Notched another one yesterday, um, I say getting a winner after Simon Richmond had equalised Wright's goal. Um, and Bradford Park Avenue, as much as they are still in the bottom four, do display that kind of togetherness. Um, I know that Mark Bauer has brought in a number of young players, but they have some good, experienced older heads around them to guide them through. Um, and yeah, big disappointment for Boston yesterday when Ian Culverhouse came in as manager after their poor start under Paul Cox. Um, you know, there was clearly a bit of a change in in style was going to be um, uh, implemented, um, but uh, it, it's clearly a big change to change from. Paul Cox's style to, to to the way that um, Ian Culverhouse wants them to play, and it's not working entirely well for them at the moment. Um, they'll be disappointed there. They must have thought that that a point there would be the not the minimum expectation, but you know, based on league positions, they would have hoped they'd come away from there with something. Yeah, and the final game was Peter Sports one two 0 away at Leamington. Two goals from Josh McCammon there uh, lead the Sports in a, in a comfortable position in their first season at this level. Yes, they are. You know, they 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 they've dropped off a, a little bit from where they were, but they are going along nicely. A little bit of a blow that for Leamington, you know, home form, um, and you know, being hard to be hard to break down um, at their own stadium is something that Leamington are, are founded on. But um, yeah, uh, it, it sounded like it was a, a deserved win for Peterborough. Yes, I've seen a, a Leamington fan saying, you know, you have to give credit where it's due. Peterborough came here and were the better side yesterday and deserved all three points. Um, and yeah, Jimmy Dean's side um, just uh, ticking along nicely. I think they'd be very content with their progress. Well, that's it. Thank you very much for joining us. My thanks to Dickie. Done a, a marathon stint today. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's okay. No, it's all right. So it was uh, nice to um, uh, to be in your company and and spend a bit of time talking about the league we enjoy. And give us a follow on Twitter at NL Full Time. It's the same on Instagram. And we'll see you all very soon.